Where will the Mount St. Helens Creation Centre be based in 2017? Why was I at the YWAM College over the last week? And what happened on the unbelievable broadcast when Sean McDowell met Ryan Bell? These are the things that we'll be talking about during episode 15 of The Mountain and the Word, coming right up. Mountain and the Word, an audio podcast show from the Mount St. Helens Creation Center, featuring news, views, and information with a biblical and scientific perspective. The Mountain and the Word is produced and presented by creation speaker Paul Taylor and is available for download from our website, mshcreationcenter.org. Welcome to another edition of The Mountain and the Word. Uh, my name is Paul Taylor. I'm the director of the Mountain Helens Creation Centre. And we're bringing you this broadcast from the foot of the mountain, so to speak. The whole point of our ministry is to talk about the truth of God's Word from the very first verse, from the foot of the mountain. Well, what's been going on? Because uh, it's been a little while since I was able to get the last uh, podcast out. So let me try and bring you up to date with a few things uh, so you know where we are, what we're doing, uh, how we're uh, managing things at the moment. Um, let's talk about this uh, new building next. And I keep hinting about this new building. And I was so much hoping that by the time this broadcast came out, I would be able to give you the final news. And in fact, by the time it's released, I may possibly be able to maybe I'll be able to tag on a little bit at the end of the broadcast. But as of yet, I can't tell you. But there is the possibility. Uh, we just need your prayers on this. There is the possibility of an exciting new building for the ministry. Now, if we're going to take this building over and put the ministry in there on a permanent uh, basis, we will need a lot of finance. And uh, it's just an amazing building. Um, uh, it's it's you can see the building from quite a way away as you are driving up Spirit Lake Highway from the interstate towards the volcano. You can see the building for quite a way. It's going to be a marvelous center to have. Uh, it's got a wonderful view of the volcano. It's got a wonderful view over a lake. And, um, you know, and just me telling you that would mean that those people who know this area in Washington State would probably be able to work out what I'm talking about, but I can't officially tell you. 
Um, but clearly there would need to be a lot of work on the building and the environment around the building. Um, there's a lot of work to do, decoration work to do, uh, electrical re rewiring work to do, uh, work with the septic system. Uh, there's quite a lot of things to do. So before very long, if, uh, if this building does come about before very long, we're going to need to be making an appeal for funds. And we just believe that this is the right thing to do. Uh, to go for this uh, this place, but um, we will need to be asking you uh, to prayerfully consider whether you can give us extra donations to be able to cover the considerable expenses that there are going to be in setting this place up. So I'm very excited, but um, also thinking in trepidation really of the, the enormity of the task ahead of us, but um, we'll just keep you posted. And God willing, by the next podcast, I can be more definite. But that's, you know, that I mentioned about the appeal for funds. Please keep your eye on our website because maybe the appeal will come out before the next um, podcast is produced. So please keep your eye on our website and please respond to the appeal both in prayer and in digging into your pockets too. Um, by the way, you know, the uh, 2016 season is over. We closed the um, old premises, um, <laughs> the old premises, which, which were new premises this year, but we only rented them for this season. And uh, we've, we've closed our, that now. Our, our rental period has come to an end, so that's, uh, that's closed. We're out of there. Everything that belongs to the ministry is in storage. And we've had a great time this summer. It's been a successful summer. We've enjoyed uh, meeting many of you as you've come to the mountain. And, um, you know, we want this sort of uh, ministry to continue. But it also means, you know, in the off season that we have the time and the ability to be working on other things and particularly uh, two areas, um, education areas, where as soon as we can get our feet into new premises, I want to be working on educational things. Our idea is to bring in um, homeschool consortia and Christian school groups provide you with a um, with support really uh, provide you with um, things such as geology trips uh, the sort of uh, education that you might not um, have the facilities to be able to do in your own home so we just want to be a resource uh, to be able to aid parents in that form of education of your young people and um, in addition to that, clearly I'm going to be available to be on the road and I look forward to traveling around the United States and speaking. Now, I am getting quite a lot of uh, comments on Facebook and elsewhere saying, well, when are you coming to wherever? You know, like somebody asked, uh, when are you coming to Massachusetts? And the answer to that, as, uh, uh, as is always the answer to that sort of question, is, well, when you invite me to Massachusetts. I, ca I, don't, I can't um, just book a flight and turn up in Massachusetts and say, I'm going to be speaking here. Uh, who's 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 going to have me in? It doesn't work like that. I'm sorry. Um, I need your church to book me. So the answer is, if you don't know, if I, there's nothing on my website about me coming to your states, to your area, the reason is because nobody's booked. 
and churches that are likely to book me are the ones with people in who are interested in the subject. That means you. <laughs> so if you're wondering why I haven't come to you, then you need to get onto your church and book me. And I will be absolutely delighted to come to your corner of the uh, world. I mentioned Massachusetts because that's a, a particular desire of mine, I suppose. I want to get to um, the northeast into New England. And I want to some time to be able to see some of the historic sites there. So that's a little bit selfish on my part. I am just hoping that somebody is going to be listening to this podcast from Massachusetts and they'll say, let's get him here to our church here. And then maybe I can do a few churches while I'm there. One, one uh, plane flight and a few churches in that area. But it doesn't have to be just Massachusetts, okay? Uh, could be anywhere in New England. Um, it could be anywhere in the United States. Uh, I love to travel around to visit new places and uh, to present the truth of God's word. So, as I said, get on to our website and get in touch with me and I will be there. We'll talk about when we can get there and I will be there and we'll minister at your church. Now, you may have noticed uh, an extra little logo that's appeared on our website to do with the ministry creation moments and some of you followed through there and had a look at that and... Um, we are at the, our two ministries, the Mount St. Helens Creation Centre and Creation Moments, are going to be working very closely together um, in the near future. And you'll hear about that. I, I don't really want to preempt what they will put on their website, but uh, we do have that relationship there. You can get to their website from us and. Um, that you'll you'll see things on their website soon but i've been uh, writing some stuff i've been recording some stuff for them and uh, we'll we'll see that um uh, the fruits of that soon and they're keen to support what we do here in uh, washington state at mount st helens so just keep your eyes open for that because i think that will be very very excited exciting well one of the reasons why i haven't had a, a podcast out recently is because i was uh, away for a week last week um, as I'm recording this, it was last week, it's uh, Thursday, so it's actually quite a while since, nearly a week since I've been home, but I've had so much paperwork, um, bookkeeping, things like that, the, the boring stuff that I find so difficult to do, but I, I've had to do that sort of admin stuff for the uh, ministry, and uh, really it's taken me then four days to be able to sit down and uh, record something uh, for the podcast. Um, also, I've been listening to something that I needed to use to prepare for this podcast, as you'll hear in a moment. But uh, to begin with, let me tell you about last week as uh, as we're recording this. Um, last week being from the 24th, Monday the 24th of October, for the five days. I was at the YWAM College in uh, Salem, Oregon, and I had a wonderful week with the, uh, the students there, um, teaching part of their... Um, outward apologetics course i had a their teaching sessions for the entire week was down to me so they could learn something about uh, creation and and presuppositional apologetics and uh, i have to say it was just a wonderful pleasure to be speaking to that group of young people um, I understand that the oldest student there was um, about 13, the youngest one about 19, and uh, so most of them were in their 20s, and um, 
what a wonderful group of uh, tomorrow's leaders really because these were people who were very keen to ask questions I wanted right from the start for them to be able to um, ask questions throughout what I was teaching and they did so and the questions were apt uh, they were to the point they were not vague and they were digging deeper and um, I think uh, I well you have to maybe ask them what they thought if you come across any of them but uh, certainly from my point of view I really really enjoyed being there it worked ever so well time-wise it was just a wonderful privilege see I was teaching them for three hours a day from 9.30 until 12.30 all right they had a 15-minute break we had a 15-minute mid-morning break but, you know, given that there were, you know, I'd started talking to them really before 9.30 informally and some of them were hanging around informally afterwards. So it really was three hours work, it has to be said, um, per day. That's 15 hours during the entire week that I had the chance to just pour into these young people's lives. Well, you know, if I go and speak in a church, I've got about 45 minutes. One church I spoke at recently, I was told I've got 20 minutes. Um, but, you know, 45 minutes if I am lucky, you know, and I look on uh, Facebook and Sermon Audio and places like that and some of the people I like to listen to and respect and they usually disobey those requests and I see many sermons that last over an hour and I'm happy with that. Um, but uh, I try and fit in with what uh, churches ask me to do. I try and do my best to do that. But there's a lot to say. One hour uh, is, is not a long time to say a large amount of stuff. Well, if I'm speaking at a conference, maybe I've got four of those. So maybe I managed to speak for four hours. Now compare that with 15 hours of time with a group of young people who are themselves going to go out and be leaders and they're going to be able to uh, share this information in the situations that they're in. What a privilege. I really praise God for that opportunity uh, that I had. And uh, I'm just so thankful to the uh, the staff and the, the folks at um, the YWAM College there in uh, Salem, Oregon who allowed me to say what I wanted to say and who were so encouraging and uh, yeah uh, it was just a great time and I'm very very thankful for the time that I had there. Well in the UK there is a Christian radio station known as Premier Radio and uh, they take the term Christian quite loosely it's all denominations there um, Roman Catholic Protestant all sorts of different sorts of people uh, it's a licensed radio station as far as I know it's the only licensed radio station broadcasting on normal FM bands um, there is another uh, radio Christian radio station in the Midlands which is broadcasting on uh, digital audio something that you don't actually have uh, digital audio broadcasting here in the United States but um, uh, they have that over there in the, in the UK. Um, but um, Premier Christian Radio is broadcasting mostly to the London area, also broadcasts on the internet um, elsewhere. Uh, there's one uh, iconic program on that station called Unbelievable, which maybe some of you have heard of. Um, there are a number of um, interesting episodes on Unbelievable. It's presented by uh, Justin Briley. Justin Briley, who is a Christian, uh, he wanted the program to be able to address issues of faith and doubt. 
and he regularly invites skeptics onto the program um, either to interview them or to take for them to take part in what are loosely referred to as debates um, usually end up as chats but uh, there have been a number of interesting uh, debates on there um, a couple of years ago for example there was um, a well-known uh, well-featured debate between um, um, the atheist Paul Baird and uh, my good friend Saiten Bruggenkate so that was uh, that was one uh, debate that uh, that was on there. I myself took part in a, a debate on uh, Unbelievable some years ago. It was an infamous debate um, to do uh, with the subject of creationism. Uh, the person I was debating was a theistic evolutionist, and it was on that occasion that in the dying seconds, crashing into the credits so that I had no time to respond, uh, the uh, theistic evolutionist accused creationists of being Nazis. Uh, it was an interesting uh, um, particular point. So that, that's been something that has been uh, talked about, left a bit of taste in my mouth at the time. But um, that's just the way it is. That's the way these things happen, I guess. Um, now, uh, Justin came over to the United States in September to record uh, um, his, his show in California. And... Um, he had two guests with him to uh, to discuss the whole business about faith, and those two guests were uh, the apologist Sean McDowell and the um, atheist Ryan Bell. Now, that uh, took place on the tenth of September, so it was billed as being a sort of a sort of debate on the subject of the existence of God, but it was really a gentle chat rather than a debate. So, were actually no big points made in the debate as far as I could see. Um, really, to tell you a little bit about the background of the two of them, Sean McDowell is, is pretty well known. Uh, his father is probably more well known. His father is Josh McDowell. And uh, Sean McDowell takes many similar views to his father. Um, not, you know, they're not identical. They have their own careers, their own ministries and so on. I'm not accusing him of being a clone of his father any more than uh, my son, who um, um, uh, speaks on all sorts of apologetic subjects. He's certainly not a clone of me, you know, and he's prepared to disagree with my theology on one or two things. Uh, so he's certainly not a clone of, of, of mine, but obviously has many similar values. In the same way, Sean McDowell is uh, similar to his, his father's views, not identical to them. Where they do share similar views are on their approach to apologetics, where they take a very much an evidential apologetics view and that certainly came out in the discussion now ryan bell is uh was introduced as a former christian now he is um uh, the author of a well-known book called a year without god now um the issue is that he is a former pastor now um I've got to go on some bunny trails here. He did mention how his parents uh, were originally Methodists. He was brought up in that sense. But his parents moved to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So he was brought up within the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Um, he, he became a Christian, therefore, through the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And he became a pastor in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Okay. This is uh, always going to be a controversial one. Ryan Bell actually mentioned this point himself, but nobody, but nobody took him up on it. He said, you know, maybe you would disagree, therefore, that being a Seventh-day Adventist is the same as being a Christian. 
Uh, maybe some of you would have problems on that, and nobody actually took him up on that. Well, I'm going to, because I do have problems on that score. Seventh-day Adventism is not a Christian denomination. Now, unlike the other cults, uh, and I, I'm a, I, I, you know, please, you, if, you, if you're listening and you're a Seventh-day Adventist, I know you're going to be offended by what I say, but I'm going to have to tell it like it is. I do consider the Seventh-day Adventist church to be a cult. They're a cult because they have to use, alongside the Bible, the teachings of uh, of other people. There's another book or two with that. Um, in their case, it's the uh, um, uh, books by Ellen White. And yes, they would simply say she's a prophet, and they say, no, it's the Bible that's important. And they do have some orthodox beliefs, unlike other cults. For example, they do have an orthodox view of the Trinity. Nevertheless, they have some cultic views which are problematic. Uh, the idea of soul sleep, uh, the idea of the scapegoat theory, where they believe that some of our sins were actually taken on Satan's head rather than uh, G uh, um, Jesus' uh, work on the cross. Uh, they believe that there's that, that two process. Uh, our sins are taken by Jesus' sacrifice, but also by Satan's um, being the scapegoat sent off into the wilderness. Uh, so they believe in that. And as I said, they have this um, great reverence for Ellen White, which they maintain does not lend her to be infallible. But in practice, you'll find that they cannot uh, deal with the Bible without the framework that Ellen White put down and using her... Um, book in order to uh, in order to uh, follow uh, these things so there is a there is a problem there is a problem therefore with uh, uh, a membership of seventh of being of the seventh day adventist church by the way that doesn't mean that there are not seventh day adventists who are saved i think that there are but honestly if you're listening to me and you're a seventh day adventist who is saved you need to be out of that church and you need to be in a proper gospel bible believing um uh, bible only church faith only church that's what you where you need to be um and uh, I would uh, strongly urge you to consider that. I know there are many atheists around, for instance, who tell us that uh, creationism is only a child of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. That is not the case. What is the case, of course, is that many Seventh-day Adventists are creationists, and that's an interesting twist on the uh, unbelievable debate. Now, Ryan Bell, then, was a pastor in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and he wrote this book called A Year Without God. Well, the, the situation he got to was that he'd already taken up some beliefs that the Seventh-day Adventist Church didn't like, so he was no longer a pastor. But he wanted to try and be an atheist for a year. And at the end of that year, it was his idea that, no, I'm going to remain an atheist. Uh, I can't see any evidence for God. And that's where he is today. Um, as an atheist, he's lost his faith, such as it was, and uh, does not believe in God. And um, he's a much more gentle type of atheist, it has to be said, than the uh, uh, Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris's and so on of this world. But uh, he's an atheist nevertheless, and uh, that was the point of view that was coming across in the program. Now, there was a comment in the introduction to the program, you know, um, surely the problem there was highlighted by the title of the book and the project that he was uh, that he underwent a year without god and uh, you know perhaps although this wasn't my comment it was a comment made on the program but uh, maybe if i just personalize it to give you an idea of what we're talking about supposing i decided to take a year without my wife uh, 
Now, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, those married couples where there might be some issues going on that feel they have to be separate for a while, but they are working on their marriage, sorting that out. No, I'm talking about denying the existence of my wife, saying, no, I'm not married for a year. I'm going to be away. We are not going to be as married uh, for a year. If, if that's what I said to my wife, would I have a marriage to come back to? And the answer clearly is no. If I've decided to be unmarried for a year, I'm unmarried for good. My wife is not going to take me back under those circumstances. She would be foolish to do so. I know very well what the reaction would be if I came out with a foolish comment like that. No, if I say there's a year without my wife, then there is no wife to come back to. So the fact that Ryan uh, that Ryan Bell now feels that he is not in contact with God, there is no God there, is obviously self-fulfilling prophecy. Because if you take a year without God, he is not there for you to come back to. Um, now, the, you know, I do not want to get into the bunny trail of whether he was saved or not. And maybe his membership of the Seventh-day Adventist Church helps me to uh, uh, helps you to understand what my position would be on that. But certainly he's a man who said he believed in God and was a pastor and uh, now does not believe in God. So he was very open and very keen to answer questions. And uh, uh, but it seemed that the program was very strongly concerned with affirming his decisions, that we have decisions to make and the decisions that he's made were considered to be brave um, and uh, that, that it was very much an affirming program of his position. Now, it's interesting that he talked a lot about evolution and uh, many of the comments that he made on morality and so on. And uh, he talked about human beings being the pinnacle of evolution. And at no point did anyone on the program challenge him on this. I guess it's not surprising because, you know, they are theistic evolutionists. Sean McDowell is a theistic evolutionist. I'm not sure what Justin Briley's position is. He's very good on his program at maintaining a neutrality, though I suspect that that's where he is. He's certainly never taken a strong creationist stance of any sort. and uh, But certainly Sean McDowell is a theistic evolutionist. And uh, so there was no tackling on his views. Now, it's interesting, therefore, and ironic that that is what, something that is of great importance to him, bearing in mind that one of the good things, if you like, about the Seventh-day Adventist Church is, as I commented earlier, their strong stance on creation, that they believe in um, uh, the Genesis happened literally, as it says, uh, and uh, that, that's, that's really an article of faith in their church. Um, so it's therefore ironic that one of the main reasons for him having rejected God is having rejected that particular part of Seventh-day Adventist teaching. It, it just illustrates perhaps to me and underlines the fact that uh, there will be many people within the Seventh-day Adventist Church and possibly elsewhere too but certainly I'm focusing on them for now that uh, hold to the basic tenets of their um, church's doctrine without this ever having uh, really affected them without this being a a heart decision if you like um, <sighs> Words are very difficult, and I know what I'm trying to say. They have not actually known God. They've known a lot about him, but they've not actually known God. As I said, there are going to be many people like that in other denominations, in other churches too. But this is certainly going to be in the case in a church which is not really um, on board with Orthodox Christianity. So 
as I said, the subject of evolution then was uh, very um, strong with him. And um, he was asked on a number of occasions about uh, things like objective moral standards. Did he believe in objective moral standards? And he put this in an evolutionary context. You know, um, there must be an evolutionary advantage for our moral standards. Uh, our moral standards, therefore, are those things which enable the group to survive. Uh, but they're not necessarily going to be the moral standards of an individual, but they are the moral standards that um, help a group to survive. Um, and therefore, uh, evolution continues that way. That's how we have arrived at our moral standards, and we've done so by thinking. Well, this really needs tackling because... Um, moral standards implies that you are able to measure them against something, compare them against something. All measurements that scientists make, for example, have to be compared with a standard. Um, you know, it would be no good saying that something was, let's say, um, 12 inches long without knowing what an inch actually was. Uh, there has to be an objective standard against which we can compare. Um, uh, you know, you can put your finger into two cups of water and say one is hotter than the other. You can actually get that wrong, but you might be right, say one's hotter than the other. But by how much? Uh, when you say by how much, you need some sort of objective measurement. And in the same way, if we're going to make moral st statements, moral standards and moral comparisons, you need an objective standard against which to measure them. Actually, Sean McDowell did hint on that a little bit but um, didn't really press this point hard. And this was one of my uh, disappointments in the program, that at no point really did Bell have his feet held to the fire for his beliefs and made to absolutely justify these points. He was really allowed to get away with this whole idea of evolutionary moral standards, and it doesn't work. Um, it, Sean McDowell did at one point point out that a, a group might take on a view which helps that group survive, but the view concerned might be something that we today do not like and believe is immoral today. Um, they gave us an example, uh, and I think it's a fair example, uh, slavery. That um, the existence of slavery might have been helpful to some societies at some times, and uh, could have helped that society thrive and it therefore could be considered to be an evolutionary moral enabling that particular group to uh, to work better and um, that does not alter the fact that we believe that slavery is wrong and uh, in fact at one point uh, Ryan Bell said that uh, he believed that uh, slavery was absolutely morally wrong but once again no nobody tackled him on that he did argue, though, of course, that with slavery, we have overcome that and got to a, a, a higher evolutionary point where we have rejected that. But again, I think that is basically raising some questions that are not really being answered. Um, so objective moral standards, in fact, can only be measured by starting from the Bible. And this is very important. And this really illustrates the weakness of the entire discussion. Um, some of the important points in the discussion really came out in the question and answer time and um, I really found the question and answer time at the end to be um, very very useful 
for example, one young person asked um, Ryan quite pertinently, you know, there must have been some sort of conversion experience that led him into the Seventh-day Adventist church. Uh, yes, his parents had been there, but what was it that was special to him? Why was it that he sort of didn't really accept that conversion experience today? That was a very pertinent question, actually, and it illustrated a lot. Because he, he told us about his conversion experience. His conversion experience into the Seventh-day Adventist as a young person was that he was on a camp, um, an SDA camp, and the camp leader, you know, he was, all, uh, uh, he was in a miserable situation. His parents had split up. He was um, uh, very much having difficulty communicating, but the camp leader came alongside him and said, you know that Jesus loves you very, very much. He's got your back. Jesus loves you very much. Words of reassurance, and that's what he took on board. Well, that is a nice thing to say in the correct context. But it is not a statement of the gospel. And this is so important. And in fact, there was no statement of the gospel at any point during this entire two and a half hour broadcast. Now, you know, I'm being quite bold on that, but it, it, it was the case. At no point in that entire two-and-a-half-hour broadcast was there a clear statement of the gospel. You know, we have that statement of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, where uh, the Apostle Paul says that the gospel is three prongs there. It's to do with the fact that Jesus died in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again from the dead in accordance with the Scriptures. And the only uh, way that that was touched on was when Sean McDowell was commenting on the resurrection being central to his faith. Now, it's interesting there that he was picking up on saying the resurrection was central to his faith. And as we'll see in a minute, he wasn't saying that the Bible was central to his faith. Well, if you remember, we've been discussing that very thing on this show with comments from Andy Stanley uh, some weeks ago. Exactly the same sort of thing, that the resurrection is the focus of our faith, not the Bible. Now, Sean McDowell is not quite so um, blunt as, uh, as Stanley was in his comments, but nevertheless, um, his comments there were reminiscent of that. And as I said, there is a real missed opportunity here on the gospel so that um, the key issue there in the Apostle Paul's declaration is that the resurrection is in accordance with the Scriptures. And therefore, we need to include the Scriptures. And in the context, when you look at it, it means that we do need to be talking about uh, sin and repentance, because those are the Scriptures that the Apostle Paul has been directing around. Um, uh, and, of course, all the, the prophetic words, too. So the resurrection... You can say, to some extent, the resurrection is central to our faith. Of course it is. Of course the resurrection is central to our faith, but not the resurrection without the Bible. That does not make sense. It's not resurrection without the Bible, because the resurrection is discussed in the context of the Scriptures. It's uh, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead in accordance with the Scriptures. Now, that's important, because... 
The issue of the scriptures was tackled by Ryan Bell and was not tackled quite uh, 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 so strongly by Sean McDowell. It's an interesting point. Uh, Ryan Bell said, and you know, I have to disagree with everything he says, but you have to understand the honesty about it. He says that uh, he lost his faith by looking at the question of homosexuality and looking at the issue of the genocides in the book of Joshua. And he said, when you look at those topics, you have to accept that what the Apostle Paul wrote about those things was wrong. It was wrong. So it's quite clear that he was going to oppose what the Bible had said on that point. So what do we get in answer? Well, Sean McDowell said at one point in the um, in the discussion that nothing is right or wrong because it is in the Bible. That's an interesting point to make. Nothing is right or wrong because it's in the Bible. Uh, he says, I don't think the Bible is the ultimate standard of right and wrong. I think it is the character of God himself who has spoken through the scriptures. Now, that's incoherent. When I wrote this down at first, I wrote down the sentence, I don't think the Bible is the ultimate standard of right and wrong. I think it's the character of God himself. And I put a little comment next to it to say, well, where do you learn about the character of God? In the scriptures. And then I thought, well, maybe I missed out something he heard then. So I had to go and listen to it again. And the actual thing that Sean McDowell said was in full, I don't think the Bible is the ultimate standard of right and wrong. I think it's the character of God himself who has spoken through the scriptures. Well, there he's clearly saying that we, you know, the character of God comes from the scriptures, though he's not saying that we learn everything about the character of God there. He's simply saying that God's spoken through the scriptures. Now, it is true that God has spoken through the scriptures. I believe that. That's absolutely true. But I'd also believe that you can only know the character of God himself from a study of the scriptures. So I'll put it stronger. And I do believe that the Bible is the ultimate standard of right and wrong because that's the only place where we have those standards. And those standards are the Ten Commandments. Uh, we read about what God commands and we read that sin is the breaking of those commands. And these are the things that should have been said during the discussion. But they weren't said during the discussion. And as I'll just mention in a moment, there's an obvious reason why they weren't mentioned in the discussion. There was no discussion of sin. There was no discussion of the commandments and what the commandments actually mean. Um, there was no discussion of what the gospel actually means. And even though the resurrection was mentioned, there, is n there was no definition of a reason for believing in that. So the Christian response was very weak indeed. Well, one young questioner, and he, he clearly sounded very young, um, as I'm guessing he must have been a, a young boy, um, he asked both uh, uh, panelists, uh, did they believe in the Big Bang Theory and why? And um, Ryan Bell went into a discussion on, well, you know, this is what scientists have told us. Um, he didn't understand the science, but he, he accepts what they have said. And you know, you would expect him to say that. He's wrong, but you would expect him to say that because he's already rejected the Bible. He's already taken on an evolutionary view. It makes sense for him to believe that the universe started in the Big Bang. Well, Sean McDowell answered then. He said, well, yes, uh, the Big Bang supports one of the premises for the existence of God. He says, I do believe in the Big Bang and that the existence of the Big Bang cries out for a cause. So you see here again, what he's doing is he's arguing for God philosophically from outside the Bible. 
He believes in a Big Bang, that uh, the universe came into existence by itself 14.7 billion years ago, but believes that that was a process guided by God because the whole uh, process then must cry out for a cause. But this is not what the Bible teaches. Instead, he's looking at uh, what he thinks scientists have said. That's his starting point, and therefore he's using that to argue to God. And then he'll uh, he'll argue them that he believes the Bible's true and the God of, is the God of the Bible, but uh, it's not going to be literally true in the way that it's written because uh, that's not what science says. You see, it is the wrong way around, and this is why we hammer this point home so much that actually we should not be starting from outside the Bible and then telling God what He meant when He put, when He put these things in the Bible. Instead, we are to weigh the evidence up from our worldview, and our worldview is to be the truth of Scripture. That is where we are to start, and it's just so basic. It's just so important. Um, there's nowhere else that we can start from. That's where it's got to be. And you see, what Sean McDowell fails to understand here is that believing in the Big Bang is problematic because the Big Bang theory is not just a theory about how the universe came into existence. It's also a theory about how the universe will end. All the molecules in the universe will gradually slow down until they all stop and we have heat death. And that's the end. And uh, they, they can't work out exactly how many billions and billions of years into the future. But there is no hope. That's basically all you've got coming. Just those billions of years until all molecules come to an end and close down. That is not a hope. You know, on these podcasts, I do not talk about my views on eschatology. Um, but whatever your views on eschatology, one of the primary doctrines has to be uh, that we believe that Jesus Christ is coming back bodily. And uh, the Big Bang Theory doesn't allow for that. The Big Bang Theory is saying that everything will come to an end in a heat death is just going to wind down, and that's your lot. That's not what the Bible teaches. And um, Ryan Bell should have known that from be, uh, beforehand. Clearly, if he did know that, he's rejected it. Sean McDowell should know that. It should be a part of what... Um, Christians say now you see it's a, it's the important presupposition we've got to start with our presupposition that God exists and the Bible is true it doesn't make sense to start from anywhere else because as we mentioned many times that itself is undermining the authority of the Bible but uh, that's that was never never going to happen and it's very interesting that it was never going to happen there was one point when Ryan Bell said that um, uh, he would have liked to have debated with William Lane Craig. William Lane Craig had criticized his position, he said, but he didn't have the courtesy to come and say, let's have a discussion. But I'd like to debate with that point with him. And Sean McDowell just uh, broke in at that point. He says, are you sure? You know, I want to give you a get out clause here. Are you really sure you want to debate with William Lane Craig? Because, of course, William Lane Craig is the big hero for evidentialists. He has a reputation of being a formidable data, uh, formidable debater, starting from an evidentialist point of view. But you see, William Lane Craig is the same person who said that the fact that there are many pastors around who believe that God actually created the world less than 10,000 years ago in six literal days, he thinks that view is embarrassing because he also wants to start from outside the Bible and work into the Bible. And it's always the wrong way round. And this is the important point. 
So um, Ryan Bell said he checked out about William Lane Craig, and he interestingly then said, I checked out uh, about you, he said to Sean McDowell. He said, because I told Justin, if he's a presuppositionalist, it's not happening because it's over before it starts. That was a telling comment. There's no way then that Ryan Bell would feel able to debate me on the Unbelievable program. Or my friend Sai. He's not going to do that, is he? Because we are presuppositionalists. We start by presupposing God exists and the Bible is true. We know that to be the case because we're not arguing to a probable God that we think may exist. We're talking about the God of the universe who we know. Who we know. Um, you know, Sai puts this very strongly, and I agree with him. I just don't want to, want to copy his words, but I'll just quote his words. He says this a lot, and he's absolutely right. He says, I am not going to um, uh, belittle the God whom I adore. And he's always talking about the God whom I adore. And um, he's right to use that phrase, and I want to use that phrase too. I just don't want to be accused of plagiarizing what he says. But this is important. I adore God. Because I know him and I love him. He saved me from my sins. You know, for my sins, he died on the cross in accordance with, in fulfillment of everything he'd said in the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day in accordance with those same scriptures. That's the God whom I worship. That's the God whom I adore. A God who's not to be reasoned towards, a God who's not to be approached by logic, although of course God has created logic and logic comes from him and we use that way. But we're not to find him through logic, we simply found our logic on him. Uh, he's not a God who's to be approached by arguments of probability, arguments of chance, arguments of the evidence points this way. Let's follow where it leads. No, we're to know him and we know him through the pages of his word. That supernaturally Holy Spirit inspired book, um, Theopnustus, God breathed word which is what it means when the bible says that uh, scripture is inspired by god many versions say inspired by god but i like uh, well, how the esv puts it where it says it's breathed out by god because that is a more literal translation of theopneustos and it tells us exactly what the bible is if the bible has been breathed out by god then we breathe in his breath just as adam had his breath breathed into him when he was created we breathe in the breath of god as we read his word as we immerse ourselves in the scriptures and that's to the uh, to be our starting point that's to be our presupposition in everything we do it's so disappointing then when a christian apologist like sean mcdowell goes on a program like this and the gospel is not really mentioned with any strength it's a weak christian response and it should have been a time when those people who have been so affected by the writings of ryan bell people who are wavering on an edge because of uh, the the uh, effect that he's had that was the opportunity to really plant a flag firmly and say this is where we stand uh, we've just had the uh, 499th anniversary of reformation day um it wasn't on that particular day when Martin Luther said, here I stand, of course, that's when he nailed his comments to the door. But, you know, he was the man who said, here I stand, I can do no other. That's to be our position. We stand on the word of God, 
not on our own strength, not on my ability to philosophize, not on my ability to reason, not on my ability to decide that I think I know what's right and wrong, not on my ability in anything at all. We're to stand firmly on the ground that God has given us because that is the solid rock ground. We're not to build our houses on the sand. We're to build our houses on the rock. Well, I do thank you for listening to this. Uh, I do find myself sometimes on these issues getting myself into a little bit of a rant, but it is so important. It is so vital. I'm in the process of putting together a, a training course on the subject of apologetics, and I'm going to be releasing that in uh, as, as a video course um through our through our website um that you know it, it will cost money that because it's t- taking quite a bit of time to put together and a lot of resources so we will have to make a charge but hopefully you will find that of great use so please keep your eyes out for that in the short term of course you can get hold of my book only believe where i go through these issues which i believe are just so fundamentally important and please as before pray for us as a ministry please pray for our new center pray that god will just uh, open all the doors there and enable things to go through um, enable the difficulties and the problems that have arisen to be ironed out um, pray for us we'll be praying for you um, let's let's make sure that uh, we get together for a great season next season uh, please in the off season we're not earning money from people coming here doing uh, excursions in the off season we need your support so please if you're prayerfully able to give us donations uh, we need you to do that you'll see that there is a link on the right hand side of the page on our website a, pe- a place where you can put donations through and we need some fairly substantial donations to keep going um, you know the ministry's got to keep paying me a salary um I don't, I tr- you know, I don't want to talk a lot about that, but I, I try not to take uh, very much. Um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a fully living wage. I'm not complaining about it. God is gracious, um, but uh, I do want you to understand that the, the ministry needs to meet that need. It doesn't have a lot of other expenses, but it does have to afford to pay me. And uh, please uh, consider that. Have a look at our website. And if you're able to give towards this cause for the spreading of the gospel and for, so, to enable me to be able to produce new materials, um, new displays, new or new uh, activities and things for our center, that will just be wonderful. I'll praise the Lord if you do that. Meanwhile, remember, as always, keep your podcasting software up to date so that you don't miss a single episode of the mountain and the word. Thank you. God bless. Goodbye. That was the mountain and the word, an audio podcast show from the Mount St. Helens Creation Center. For more information, visit our website, MSH creationcenter.org